Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Addictive Pod. It's your host, Adrian, and today I'm joined by Madeline from Happiest Sober. She's back again on another episode. We did an episode ages ago where she shared her story, and today we're going to do a Valentine's episode. This episode was recorded on Valentine's Day. I know it's not Valentine's Day anymore, but we can still talk about dating. We can still talk about um, what it's like to date sober, what it's like to break up sober, when your gut tells you a date isn't the right one. We talk about breakups, crying, coping with emotions, and lots more. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Please join me in welcoming Madeline Forrest. Madeline, welcome back. How are you doing? Hi. Good. How are you? Good, good. We got our uh, our pink sweaters on. We're ready we're, for the Valentine's Day. We're matching Day. in our in our pink for Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> the sad thing is that I'm not a good planner like you are. This episode is going to come out like March first or something. Like It'll that. be like a belated Valentine's Day. Very just belated. Ex- extend the festivities. Do you think people still care about? dating in March I think everyone's just thinking I think up. people care about dating year-round <laughs> I think it's always relevant <laughs> okay good <laughs> that is really so you've been on the show before you came on a couple yeah. years ago to share your story of recovery and mm-hmm. a little bit of your story of drinking so I hope that people go back and listen to that episode it was a great episode for my opinion at least my opinion I was so I was brand new. Like I think I was seven. I think I was seven months when yeah. you had me on, if I'm remembering right. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me back on. Of course, of course, it's been too long. Yeah, um, it's been ages. So go back and listen to that episode, people, if you haven't. <laughs> but for the people that haven't, I want to ask like a. I'm gonna do like a speed run, eight nine questions, just to okay. get to know you quickly. Oh, we're starting with it. Yeah, okay, we're fun. gonna start. Okay, we're gonna okay. start with it. So just for people to get to know you. So I'm going to ask you quick questions. You just hit me with like one word responses. One word. One word. I'm so bad at being concise. You know okay. all the you know all the answers. These are things that you know. No trick okay. questions. All right. Okay. So first thing off the top of your head, where are you from? Toronto. Well, Whitby, but Toronto. Already failing. <laughs> <laughs> I, already, I already couldn't do one word. <laughs> How long have you been sober? Oh, two years. Twenty-seven months. Damn. Total. Pineapple on pizza? No. What show are you watching these days? Um, Vanderpump Rules. Nice. Celebrity Crush? Vance Joy. And I just saw him in concert on the weekend. Best dating app? They all suck, but I suppose <laughs> I'll say Hinge. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hinge. <laughs> <laughs> what do you value most in a partner? Oh, um, kindness. And your biggest fear? Um, uh, it's a tie between like murderers and <laughs> being in a plane crash. <laughs> I mean, both of them are they're tough ways to die. They're both yeah, tough right? ways to die. Fair enough. No one wants that. All right, you passed. You passed. <laughs> Well done. You're you're not bad. You. You're not too bad at answering questions. I quickly. don't think I did any of them in one word. I think the where are you from turned out to be the hardest question. Out of all of <laughs> you know, that as one. someone from the GTA, well, are you from like, Toronto? Yeah, I'm from Toronto. Oh my god! When you're from the GTA, you say Toronto, and then it's like, okay, but where are you actually from? True. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I was hoping that was going to be a quick Toronto one, and we could just leave it at that. But yeah, no, it was I had rookie. to be honest. Fair. Fair. Honesty first. Honesty yeah. first. Um, so lots to talk about today. I just listened to your episode on dating sober. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and um, ha- being happy as single. Yeah, be happy as single. Yeah, that could be the new, <laughs> the yeah. new Insta. And I think there were, there were a few things that you talked about that um, I guess I had some some questions about. And, okay. Um, they're just really good topics, even aside mm. from Valentine's Day. And um, yeah, I guess to start us off, I wanted to ask you um, just to tell a little bit of a story of like what dating was like for you before you got sober and um, what, how, how addiction kind of had a role to play in your dating life. Did it have a big effect on sort of who you chose to date and how those relationships went? Yeah, it definitely did. I, so my dating life before I got sober, I, um, I had like a five-year relationship. Like the first guy I dated, I dated him for five years. I was 23 when we broke up and that was like a really, really devastating breakup for me. Um, and I definitely though used like partying and drinking to get over that because, um, it was one of those things where like, Part of the reason why the relationship ended was that I was like, I had been with him since I was 17 and I was like, I've never, I'm 23. I've never been single as an adult before. Like I've never had time on my own to kind of like get to know myself outside of the relationship. Um, and what, like I, that, that was a big part of why I ended that relationship. But then what happened was that like, it was like this, like, yeah, I wanted to get to know myself outside of it. But then this bigger piece of me was like, I've never gone out to a bar single before. I've never mm. like been like a single adult who could go date and like do whatever I wanted. So I started really just like, I went out every weekend following that breakup. Like Friday, Saturday, I was out partying and like wanting to like go out and meet guys. And I think that definitely set the tone for like a lot of my dating life after that, like in into kind of like my... I guess, mid twenties, um, drinking was always a part of dating for me. And I think that I chose the wrong guys because of that. Why do you think people like drinking on dates? Because that's kind of the go-to date, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? Oh, I think it's so many things. I think, I mean, I think first and foremost that like dating is inherently a nerve wracking experience. I think you're like, you're putting yourself out there. You're a little bit self-conscious. Like, I think that the main thing is that it makes you feel more comfortable and more confident um, in the moment at least. And then I don't know, like, I think I really had like, for me, dating and drinking were very intertwined where like I thought that like there was something so romantic about like having having drinks with like a boyfriend and like I I definitely that was something that whenever I dated someone I was always so excited to drink with them because it made it made me feel more connected to them and like Mm. now looking back I'm like well that was just like a false connection if I have to like drink to feel to feel those feelings. Not that like I drank to always feel those feelings with people, right. but it, it, I felt like it enhanced it. Um, but I think like the reason people want to like say, let's get drinks is definitely just like, it's just something that makes people more comfortable in a situation that can like make you feel a little bit insecure. Yeah. It calms the nerves, calms the jitters a For little sure. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about that connection, right? Like when you're drinking with someone and you have that connection, you feel like, Oh, this is, this is going so well. This person is like, they're my person. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, um, 
how true do you think that is? Like, do you think that's just something that is like a trick of the chemical reaction in our brain? Or what do you think about that? I mean, I guess it really depends on the situation because I'm sure people who are in happy relationships, then when they drink, feel those feelings. And it doesn't mean that they're not real. But I think that I I always like to say like alcohol can kind of make you be into anyone. Like I used to drunkenly swipe on dating apps and then look (laughs) the next day and be like, well, if this is not tangible evidence of beer goggles. (laughs) (laughs) But like, no, I definitely have. I definitely like there was someone who I dated in kind of my mid 20s who I had said before, like, I'm only I'm kind of only into him when we drink. Like, I, I'm not really interested in hanging out with him sober because I'm, like, more into him when we just drink together. Yeah. And that was someone who I dated for a few months because I was just, like, in such this, like, party phase. So that's kind of crazy looking back on now. Just ignoring red flags, ignoring your gut, just oh, kind of yeah. drinking Big through time. those things. Big yeah. time. Um, how much do you think – because when you're when you're in addiction, right, you're kind of numbing out your feelings. You're using that coping mechanism a lot. Mm-hmm. Um how much do you feel like you really knew yourself during your addiction or you knew what you needed or what you wanted? Hmm. I think that I always knew things in my gut, but I think I was a lot more willing to be in denial when I was drinking. I think Mm. that's the difference. And I can think of like the last kind of longer term relationship that I had before I got sober. I can look back and I remember seeing red flags on our second date. And I remember being on our second date and having this like distinct gut feeling of mm. like, ooh, I don't think this is it. But I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, like we're having fun together. And like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm into him. And we, we like, we were going out and drinking and like, and then it went on and then it became a serious relationship that then like didn't, didn't end up so well, <laughs> you know? And like, if I had not been drinking, I think that I would have just stopped seeing him when I saw the red flags because that's how I've handled dating now that I'm sober. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's the difference. I think, you know, I do think I know myself a lot better now for sure in sobriety and just with the fact that I'm older, like I'll be 30 this year. Um, but I, I do think that like oftentimes I knew things in my gut and then stuck around a lot longer. And now I'm really different where like, it doesn't take me a long time once I realize something's not right to, to just Mm. cut it off. When you do cut it off and your, your episode is so great, by the way, I was was just chuckling to myself because walking away from a date, at least in my mind, there's some, there's some nervousness there and there's some feelings Mm -hmm. of like, Oh, how are they going to react? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want to, don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. But you, you talk about in that episode, you're just like, I don't owe this person anything. Like I, (laughs) I can just, I I don't want to be here. He's Mm -hmm. not doing so great on the date Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to go home and hang out with the family. So walk me through that. Like, how do you, how do you overcome that little bit of apprehension or that little bit of fear? Yeah. So I think, look, if I was on like a dinner date or if I was like sitting down at a table with somebody and like they, which has happened several times and like, I'm just like, 
not feeling it or like it's just really clear that it's not it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be an asshole and just get up and leave them <laughs> okay, partway okay. through. Fair. But like in that situation, which for anyone listening who didn't listen to the episode and doesn't know the story he's referring to was that someone had invited me to like see their friends perform their friends were in a band and they were playing at a bar and he invited me to go see. And it was my first time meeting him off a dating app. And I didn't know, but all of his friends were there and they were all standing around getting drunk, doing shots. He wasn't doing a great job at even keeping me included with like his friends when I didn't know anybody. And I was at a time where I was standing there talking to one of his friends. And I'm like, I don't even need to try to be making a good impression on his friends right now. I don't even want to date this person. He's like, where is he? He's not, he's not even talking to me right now. So it was very, so I had this realization because the band wasn't going on for like two hours. And I was standing there thinking to myself, like, this sucks because I don't want to be here. And now I'm stuck here for more time than I thought because the band's not on. And then I was just like, wait a second. I was just like, I, yeah, like you said, I'm like, I don't Ding. owe this person anything. I like yeah. went to the bathroom, texted my family. And I was like, I think I'm just going to leave. Like, I don't, I don't have to be here. So I, I walked out, he was standing at the bar and I just walked up and said, Hey, I'm heading out. Nice to meet you. And that was just it. And then I just, I, I got in the Uber and unmatched him because I for Love me, it. I was just Love like, it. you know, I, and if someone if there were just like no sparks, then whatever, yeah. I can sit for the rest of a day and, you know, talk to someone. It's fine. It's happened lots of times. But if you're straight up going to like invite me somewhere and then just like be rude, then no, I don't have to stay. That's such good self-care. Honestly. Yeah. It it's felt like a really good moment of like self-respect and like practicing yeah. that. Yeah, it's like I'm 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 better than this. I can do better than this. I don't need yeah. to be here. I 100%. don't have to kind of micromanage other people's feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Just like Cuz right, I was going to. I was like this sucks. I have to be here for two more hours and then I was like, "Oh my god, no I don't." <laughs> and so, if you were drinking at the time, that's how would that the have thing. gone, right? I would have stayed. I'm sure yeah. I would I'm sure I would have stayed because I I mean because I would have been doing shots and drinking with them. Yeah. But like it it really was like that's the best part about sober dating is having that complete clarity. And I think when I was drinking on dates, again, like I said, like you can, you can really kind of be into anyone like drinking does like lower your inhibitions and make you feel, you know, more, more into people easily, I think. So, um, you can't really fool yourself when you're out on a date with someone and you're sober. So true. So true. Mm -hmm. Can we talk more about that gut feeling? I love that. Mm -hmm. I love how you kept talking about the episode about the gut because it's something mm -hmm. I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. I think in my past relationships, I had the gut feeling that, okay, this person isn't right for me. But mm -hmm. then for whatever reason, I would justify it and say that it's, oh, I'm just doubting or I'm just this, that. And I would kind of push past it. Um, mm -hmm. how have you come to learn like, to distinguish that gut feeling for yourself? How do you, how do you know that it's your gut? Hmm. I think that, I think it's about knowing your like non-negotiables and your deal breakers. And like, I think that every relationship that I've had, I come away with like a clearer understanding of like what's really important to me of what's not important to me of like, these are the things that I need. It, it, like, you know, you can come away from any relationship being like, I really liked this quality, these qualities in this person. And I want that my next partner to have these qualities. Didn't love these qualities. Like that's a deal breaker for me. So I think like every time I date, I definitely get more clarity in that way. So I think a big one for me is 
is about being really clear on like what's important to me in a relationship and like everyone everyone's different in that way and like it has to it has to kind of match up like if something's really really important to me in a relationship and it's not really something that like you value so you don't mm. want to put in the effort to like do that thing then that's yeah. going to be a problem so i think really like i think having the clarity to always be really aware of like their behavior and if like i don't like how somebody's treating me or like things like that that have happened for sure where i'm like i have different standards now for like the level of effort I want to see from Mm -hmm. somebody and like obviously it's a two-way street I'm not trying to say that it's always like this one-sided thing and I'm perfect but like it it really is just like I think being really clear on 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 what you want and need from somebody if you're gonna like commit to them Hmm. that's really good and almost and almost have that deep down like you almost have that ready before you're even dating like you know that about yourself you know did you did you write these things down or did you I totally did I totally have a note on my phone (laughs) nice (laughs) you have to right you have to kind of put it down somewhere yeah yeah just having that clarity and I really do think every time you date somebody new even like when it doesn't work out I always find that I get more clarity from Mm. from whatever the experience is that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah learning that's how we learn right little making little mistakes for sure. So I wanted to also talk about self-love mm-hmm. and it's something that I talked about on the podcast ages ago about like taking yourself for a date and kind of like making dinner for yourself, spending time with yourself. Do you have any advice or, or stories about like learning to spend time with yourself and how are you, how are you so happy going through all this process, right? Because for a lot of people, they'd be like, oh, the dates aren't working out. Mm -hmm. I'm single. They'd be beating themselves up. But you are happiest sober. So what's your secret? You know what? I was feeling that way last year. Like I was feeling really discouraged last year. Mm. Like at the the earlier last year, I had like a relationship that didn't work out. And I was bummed about that. And I definitely like went – I went on a lot of app dates – last year and like they were all just like none of them were it it was very clear from the first date that none of them were it and then it it was it if I felt like oh my god I'm wasting my time and yet it feels like in this world sometimes that apps are the only freaking way (laughs) um so yeah and I do think that being single and sober I think the combination of those two things can feel really lonely sometimes for people if you're in a space where you want to meet somebody and like you know I'll admit it was a lot easier when I was partying in my twenties to go meet guys than it is now. Mm. Um, it, or, you know, it felt, it felt that way anyways with, with the headspace that I was in last year. So I, I did, I did struggle with that a little bit last year for sure. But I feel like I got to this place kind of towards the end of last year where like I got off apps and I have just felt very, like I, I'm more single than I've ever been in my life. Like I feel like ever since there's only so you know single you I mean? can get. No, I disagree. I'm way because, more single than I was. <laughs> no, I am. You know why? Because every time, and for most of my twenties, if I was single, I maybe had a guy who I was talking to at the time, even though I was single or I was on the apps and going on dates and like talking to people. Like I don't have a single guy I'm talking to right now in that type of way. Mm. I don't like, I'm not on apps. I'm not going on dates. Like I'm like 
if I wanted to like go hang out with a guy in a romantic way tomorrow, I'm not, there's no one I'm texting, you know? So that's why I say I'm like, I'm very single, but like by choice, because I feel like I hit this point, um, at the end of last year where I genuinely felt like I actually don't want to date right now. Like, I feel like I have a lot going on in my own life and I'm really content with just like actually doing my own thing and like focusing on myself in a way that I haven't ever before. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I feel really content with that. So it's not like, I haven't always felt that way. Like for sure there have been times where like, you know, sober dating can be discouraging, but I, I feel like I've definitely come to a different place right now where I'm very content that like, I'm doing my own thing and I'm focusing on myself. I live on my own. I spend a lot of time on my own. I can hang out by myself and be happy and like enjoy my own company. Mm. And I think that's like a very empowering place to be in. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That's really Thank cool. You. <laughs> I get now what you mean. There definitely are levels to the There to the are scene. levels of being single. <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as you have friends. As long as you're hanging yeah, out with friends. Yeah, for go. sure. And like my Family. sisters live. I have two sisters. We're all like best friends. We live in like the building, a building facing each other. We can wait from oh, our balconies. No like it's no like way. real life friends, I always say. And like I have a good like close knit group of girlfriends. Like I definitely don't feel like deprived of connection in my life. So what do you think about the old, um, the old like 12 step adage of like, don't date in your first year. (laughs) What do you, what's your take on that? I mean, I didn't listen to it. (laughs) So I don't, I, mm, you know what? I actually don't know what I think about that. I would have to think about it. Like when I, when I dated someone in my first year, we dated for a few months and then we broke up and I was like, I had only ever drank like partied to get over breakups up until that point. So that was kind of challenging. And I remember my mom saying to me like, well, this is why they say don't date in your first year. (laughs) Um, but you know what? I think there was a lot of value in it for me. I don't, I don't regret that I, that I didn't listen to it. I think, you know, back to following your own gut. I think everyone has to follow their own gut. And I think if someone listening who's in their first year of sobriety doesn't feel ready to date or thinks that it's going to like really challenge them staying Mm. sober, then I think they should listen to it. If you feel ready and comfortable, then I think I always think, yeah, you, you know, best really. Yeah. Well said. Good answer. Cause it's a tough one. Right. And people aren't going to listen anyways. People are going to date. They're going to do what they want. want. (laughs) Um, It's just, that's a really tough one. Um, Mm. And I also, I mean, you mentioned before about how like dating apps is the only way now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I kind of want to push back on that because like, I welcome that. Tell yeah. me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> I just think that it's, it's kind of a shame. I think that everyone goes to the dating apps and I do. Mm-hmm. And I have as well. It's like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here saying I've never used a dating app. Of course I have. Yeah. But it's like, we meet people all the time in our lives we come into, we, we meet new friends, we meet friends of friends. And I almost feel like because of dating apps, people um, will like turn off their radar to those other people and be like, oh, do you know what I'm talking about? I always say that. I feel like apps have ruined people. They have. Where I feel like people... And this is why, but it's a vicious cycle because this is also why I feel like apps are the only way these days. Because everyone is kind of blinded to like yes. the other people around them. And I think, you know what I think it is? I think that people like there's obviously such a vulnerability in putting yourself out there in person to someone. Exactly. And it like, you know, facing 
the possibility of rejection face-to-face and all of that. And I think that people are a lot less willing to put themselves in that vulnerable position when they know that they can just open up their phone and swipe and see tons of options. You never have to face that rejection when somebody swipes left on you, right? You never feel that. You just keep swiping and then you're like, oh, I got a match and you get that dopamine hit. And it's such a, we're almost like cheating the, cheating the process. I know. I kind of wish dating apps weren't a thing. I think they've really wrecked it. And like, I also think I have met people in organic ways and and also met people on dating apps and i i think that it's a lot more exciting when you just meet someone organically personally versus versus meeting someone from a dating app where you like i don't know i think it takes some excitement out of it personally it can it can but it can also be really good for some people like i'm sure some people meet their the love of their life on the on the app so a hundred percent and I have, I've had like, you know, my, lo- my last long relationship with someone on a dating app. And like, I, I, I'm not trying to shame that whatsoever. The best first kiss ever. Was that the guy? <laughs> <laughs> was that the one? <laughs> that wasn't who I was thinking of, but yes, that was also a dating oh, app guy. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the dating apps did, the dating apps did pretty well for you then. They were, they were. I've dated people some, off of them for sure. Yeah. I just, I kind of, I don't know. I think they've killed something a little bit. Mm. I do. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like going deeper into that whole, you're in that phase where you're just, there's other things that are higher priorities. You want to mm-hmm. um, pursue these other areas and you're enjoying being single. What does that, what does that look like for you? Like, how do you kind of, how do you fall deeper in love with yourself and take care of yourself more and, and show yourself that kind of self-love, I guess? That's a good question. I feel like, well, I do spend a lot of time alone. Like I said, like I I live on my own. So I spend a lot of time with myself. I feel like I've had a lot of fun um, like carving out a new morning routine for myself this year and like like waking up extra early, taking time to like meditate, to journal and like having like my own kind of little downtime before the day starts. And I think – I think just like even doing little things like lighting the candles in my apartment because mm. I not because I have anyone coming over like that used to be something I would only do if I was like having company over. But just like doing that because like I'm here and because it makes it feel nice. Like just like even nice. doing little kind of little nice things for yourself, I think. To just that's, make. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And like and 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 just like reprioritizing my time and spending it, you know, like I have a lot more time to spend with my sisters and my friends right now. And I'm really enjoying that. Like after we get off this call, I'm going and walking to a coffee shop with my sister and we're going to nice. do a little Galentine's tonight. Like, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like this big void. You can just yeah. like fill it with other things. Do you think that there's some pressure from people uh, in general, just to to be in relationships, like, do you think there's? Do you ever feel some judgment of being single? Mm, I don't feel judgment. Um, I, I haven't been single for a super long time, um, and then like last year, even after I was single last year, I was still kind of like actively like in the dating scene and stuff. But I do think there's definitely pressure. I mean, particularly on women with the biological clock Mm. um, and all of that kind of stuff. It is something that like I think that men have the luxury of not having to worry about timelines so much. Whereas like if you're a woman and you do want to have kids one day, like you do have to like it's just reality. You do have to think about that. So I think that that's that's um, 
definitely one aspect and I think I think it's a funny age to be like I'm 29 so like lots of my friends are like getting married and having babies and like I think you have to be really mindful of like not not like getting caught up in like the comparison game Mm -hmm. and all of Mm. that which I think can can be tough sometimes for a lot of people it's hard it's hard not to right um but I heard I heard there's this um I don't know if you've ever heard of Hannah Burner uh she's she's like a comedian and a podcaster and I actually went and saw she did like a podcast live show and I went to New York for it and um cool in the fall and she's she's married now and she said like um um something she said that I really liked was that like you have to think of like everyone in your life it's like popcorn like you're all in the microwave together and like every kernel's (laughs) gonna pop like you're all gonna have your you're all gonna pop at your time when like you know she said it a lot more eloquently than I did but (laughs) I kind of really liked that little that little metaphor (laughs) I love that you're really popping off this year Madeline (laughs) it's like popcorn (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Outside of dating. I mean, wow. You've been up to a lot since we last Mm. spoke. So I'm really happy to see, yeah, the, the, the happiest sober page growing and everything that you're doing. Thanks. What do you think you're most happy with of, of the stuff that you've been working on? Like, what are you the most proud of? Oh gosh. Um, I would say the thing that I'm most like excited about is like the sober trips that that I've been like planning mm. so I'm hosting a sober trip to Costa Rica in May and then to Spain in September and I think that's the thing that I'm definitely most like excited about this year I would say cool cool yeah. how many how many spots do you have in there what's the plan I have so Costa Rica um we there are the like the group will range right now we have 12 people signed up um and it goes up to 20 and then spain will go up to potentially 24 it will be anywhere from 10 to 24 people um so we will see that one's in september so that's so cool yeah thanks yeah it's really exciting i'm really excited about it i think that like i know for me like traveling when i quit drinking was something that was like so scary and nerve-wracking to imagine and I felt like it was never going to be the same again and that's been a real kind of joy and sobriety is like realizing that it's actually a lot better without Mm. alcohol because you're there like actually enjoying you're there enjoying every experience like I know when I used to travel drinking everything I was doing in my mind was just like I was rushing through it because like in my head the fun didn't start until I was drinking on the trip it's like even like the sightseeing I was like yeah, like I liked it, but like in my head, like the real fun would start at the bar later. And there would be times where I would skip things to drink instead. And then like that's been the thing that's really struck me anytime I go away sober is like, oh my God, I'm just like fully enjoying the experience and I'm not like mentally rushing through it. Um, Have you ever so, had one of those vacations where like afterwards you feel like you needed another vacation after to like yes, detox because yes, you were like, you got so sick and so you a vacation just, from the vacation. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. So yeah. I don't think, yeah, Costa Rica, that will be a real vacation, like a real rest, relaxation. That's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm super excited. It's coming up quickly, that one. <laughs> Do you have a plan for, um, like, are you going to be doing activities with the with the women that come with you, like working on sobriety stuff, or is it more just enjoy the trip? So it'll be men and women. Um, oh, yeah. And 
kind of in, like, I mean, we have like an itinerary, we have a pretty full itinerary of things that we're going to be doing together. Um, and it, it's kind of just come and enjoy the trip. And like, we're going to just like, have fun sober together. Nice, um, nice. And like, you're not, you don't have to worry about like, you know, when you travel with drinkers, they're going to be drinking on the trip. And you don't have to worry about any of the pressures around that because we're all just going to be sober together and like, have fun. That's going to be a blast. Wow. Yeah. That's such a good idea. That's such a great idea. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Did you travel a lot before sobriety? Yeah, I did. I did. I I mean, I lived in Australia for a year. Oh, right. And that yeah. was where I did some of my heaviest drinking and partying. So that's somewhere I really, really want to go back um, sober for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did. I've, I've always loved traveling. Like I did a, f- a couple of Europe trips before I got sober. I did Australia for a year. I tried to go down like south to an inclusive every winter nice, <laughs> to get nice. through the Toronto winters. Um, so yeah, it's always something, always something that I've loved doing. At least today is sunny. I was riding my bike today. I know. I know. I'm I'm really excited to to get outside today. It's the, nice. the fool's spring. We're it gonna is. we're gonna have another like three weeks of snow. <laughs> I know, <after>. don't <laughs> say it. <laughs> oh, Toronto winters are bleak. They're yeah. a bleak time. <laughs> I wanna I think I'll have made it when I can just go south every January, February, or March. Like three months out of the oh, year. I'm just a south. dream. A dream. Know. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm not built for winter. It's not my time. Same. (laughs) See you down there in 2025. That's the goal. Yeah. We'll make it. Um, I wanted to ask you about the, the breakups, but I know you Mm -hmm. also want to do your own episode on that. So I don't know how much you want to talk about that. I don't mind. Ask away. (laughs) I just think it's something... I feel like breakups are one of the hardest things. And especially if you struggle with addiction, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to cope with your addiction of choice. Like that is the time that an addiction kind of spirals into its worst. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. What can you tell me about like going through a breakup sober and and how is it different this time around? How did you, how did you cope with that? Yeah. So I think what may, what has made like breakups really, really hard in sobriety is that, um, like I said, like drinking was the way that I coped when I had a breakup. And like I've reflected and I think what it really was, and this is really like backwards now that I look back on it, but how it felt at the time was like to me in the moment, it almost felt like this way of like taking my power back. Like, oh, screw you. I'm going to go get drunk tonight and have Mm. a freaking blast without you. You know, it felt like a big middle finger to get to like drink and party and like, look how much fun I can have without you after a breakup. Like that was how it felt. And so to then go through breakups and be sober and like not have that was really hard. And I was just left having to sit with my feelings. And I think something else I really felt from like one of the ones that was like the the kind of harder hardest one I've had since I um, quit drinking was even like one night my friend had invited me out because she knew I was like going through the breakup and she was like let's have a girls night and I ended up not going because I literally just didn't have it in me I was like so sad and I was like I don't have the energy to socialize and like to, to like have to but then it made me sad because I was like if I was a drinker, this is what would be bringing me back to life right now. I'd be like, yeah, we're going to have a girl's night because we're going to go get drunk. And so that parallel made me sad that I was like, this is the thing that would have made me feel better. And like in sobriety, I don't I, I don't even want to do it because it feels like I don't have it in me to like go sit soberly and be social with somebody. So that 
that was something that made it hard for sure. But that being said, I think that the best part about going through breakup sober is that I really do think like when you're drinking to like numb sad feelings you're not actually working through anything you're not actually healing you're just like I just think you're just pushing pause on it and then tomorrow you're going to wake up all those sad feelings are going to be there and they're going to be magnified from the alcohol and like you know god forbid you drunk texted them last night or whatever you know like mistakes that you could make also if you're out drinking after a breakup um So I think that the gift, even if maybe it feels more sad in the moment, is that I've noticed that I move on a lot quicker. And I think that I move on like for real, if that makes sense. Like Mm. I think whenever I was drinking to get over people, I would just like go be out, party, then maybe meet someone else, date them for a while. You know what I mean? Whereas now it's just like I just have that time with myself and I feel like I actually really process and move on from things in a way because when you're sober and you're fully just like clear-minded, you can really work through things and really like reflect on why that was the best case for you, why Mm. like this breakup is the right thing and like really use that time to refocus on like what's important to you. And like what you want out of the next partner you're going to have. So I think that maybe it's it's harder because you don't have like you don't have that just like easy off switch for your feelings anymore. But because of that, you can actually really properly like get over it and move on, um, which is actually the empowering thing. The drinking thing is not actually empowering. It's actually the opposite. Yeah, so. you're avoiding you're avoiding the pain in the yeah. short term to just increase it for a longer term if you're exactly. if you're numbing out from it. Yeah. How do you so in that moment when your friend is inviting you over and and you could go socialize, you could go get support from other people. Mm-hmm. Instead, you choose to, you know what, my gut is telling me I I'm not really drawn to do that right now. I need to spend time alone. Mm-hmm. How do you then handle those feelings alone? How do you kind of how do you sit with it? It's funny because I just had this conversation with my mom. My mom comes on my podcast a lot. And we just had this conversation on one of the recent episodes that she came on because like I'm very good at letting myself be sad. Like when I'm really sad, I'm like, I just need to be freaking sad right now. I don't want anyone to try to cheer me up. This is my sad time. I'm going to freaking wallow today. So I think like I'm really clear on like I know when I need to let myself just feel my feelings and I will do it. And then like I'm going to hit a point where I'm like, okay, I'm over. I'm over my sad period. Now I'm ready to like try to pick myself back up. But when I am just sad, And like, I will, like, I still will see, like, I'm willing to see like my really immediate circle. Like I'll want to be with like, you know, my mom and my sisters and like those people. Cause that it's easy, you know? Um, but it's a lot of like, I'll just like numb out and watch TV. That's a new, it's a new version of numbing out. You know, it's like not, not as harmful as alcohol. That's for sure. So I'll take it. Like I'll, if I need to just like watch reality TV and eat ice cream and be sad and be in my feelings, then that's what I'll do. That's um, so emotionally intelligent though. I think Thank you. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Like it's it, when you say it's numbing out, it's it's not like that at all though. It's really it's the opposite of numbing out. It's almost like encouraging your body to be like, yeah, you know what? Like this is the time to feel sad. This is the time mm-hmm. to like you use the word wallowing, you know? It sounds yeah. negative. It sounds like, oh, she's over there wallowing again. Like, <laughs> no, this is like a really healthy thing. Yeah. Cause you're letting yourself do. grieve it. Right. Yeah. And, and if you let yourself feel it, that means that it can actually pass. 
Exactly. And if you're not letting yourself feeling it, then you like that you're still holding it in and like you're not actually processing it. So yeah, I do think it's really important to let yourself like feel all your feelings. I think it's also interesting what you said about like you can be around your your core people, right? Mm-hmm. Is that because you're comfortable being sad in front of them and they won't try to fix it for you? Or why why are you why is that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's why. I think I like cool. I, I was okay to be around anyone who like not that I can't be sad around like uh, my friends and stuff, but people who like I like I don't have to see them and, and have to be on for them. You know what I mean? Like it, I can just lay with them and not, <laughs> not talk and be my nice, sad, miserable nice. self and not feel guilty. Whereas like if I was with my friends, not that they wouldn't let me be sad, but I would want to be a better version of myself around my friends and like yeah. ask them what's up with them. And, all, and I just didn't have the capacity for that at that point. It's so interesting. Like, in order to be the happiest sober, you need to also be the saddest. <laughs> you need, like yeah. in these moments, you need to be like the saddest person going through this breakup and just yeah. embrace it and just sit in it. Well, it's like it's like that Brene Brown quote about sobriety. Like when you numb the bad feelings, you also numb the good feelings. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that's the exact quote, but that's like the sentiment of it is like numbing numbing the the dark also numbs the light so i think that that's that is part of like having a happy life is that you have to feel the full range of your emotions including bad ones oof so hard <laughs> i know <laughs> can't <It> emote <laughs> Uh, this is a work in progress for me. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I'm not the most emotionally intelligent person. I did not go through a breakup as gracefully as you. Mm. I think that for me, it's like um, getting comfortable letting myself cry. And, and okay. like, because what I do when I cry is like a voice comes into my head immediately that's like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, pull it together. And then I'll stop crying. And it's I'll like your conditioning as a guy, I'm sure, right? It's probably a part of it probably a big yeah. part of it. Yeah. And yeah. So what do you do then when you're sad? Like how, what's your, what's your coping mechanism? Do you just oh, avoid? Man. Oh man. Yeah. I think I, um, I've gotten better at it. I'll, I'll say what I, what I, what I used to do is just completely ignore it. Right. Mm-hmm. Completely numb out, play video games, hang out with friends. Just like I'm fine, work really hard. Um, and then what I'm trying to do now is, um, trying to I have really good friends now who will help me to to kind of notice that I'm sad and notice that Mm -hmm. I'm going through this and then um therapy has also helped a lot of like bringing up those feelings because I can't bring them up on my own and then after the therapy session I'll go cry and I'll try and like let myself cry for a little bit yeah (laughs) so those are my baby steps of that's good though that's progress yeah it's tough it's a tough one yeah I'm a, I cry at the drop of a hat. Nice. I'm such a crier. It's actually funny whenever, like if I'm watching TV with my sisters and like anything emotional happens, I'll always see out of the corner of my eye. One of my sisters is looking at me because she knows him. <laughs> she knows she's like waiting for the tears is she gonna to make come. Fun? Like, does she make fun of you a little bit? <laughs> all, like, not, not seriously. Like we're yeah, all, yeah. we're all pretty like, you know, emotional people, but it is a joke. I, you know what? Even since I got sober, I became more emotional where like, if I see someone cry, I will cry. That's, like if that's I see good. someone else being emotional, I and just like it's like this like knee jerk reaction. I get choked up immediately. Yeah. So like sometimes I cry over embarrassing things. Like a, <laughs> someone cries on a reality show over something ridiculous, and I'm choked up. <laughs> do you ever cry? Do you ever like have the happy cry as well? Like oh totally that a, yeah that's oh cool. yeah oh yeah that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's a that's a special that's a special feeling for sure. 
That is a special cry, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is episode has just been all over the place. How did we get here? I know. I like it though. <laughs> we started off. We started off with dating. We started. I feel off like that's with, when you know you're having a good conversation. Is when you're like, "How did we get onto this? How did we get to crying? <laughs> oh man, breakups. That's breakups. Right. Yeah, breakups. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess since we're we're getting close to the end here, I guess one thing I'll ask you is. What do you recommend to somebody who is um, in that stage of their recovery where maybe their gut is telling them to like be single and kind of take some time for themselves? Mm-hmm. What would you, yeah, how would you counsel them through that? What, what type of tips would you give to them as they kind of go through this phase? Okay. So I would say, like, first of all, I would applaud them because I think that it does take a real special kind of like comfort with yourself to be willing to just be like single and sober and like not even be looking for anything. Um, I would say, so yeah, I would say first of all, celebrate yourself for that. I would say that it's okay to get lonely sometimes. I, you know, what's so funny is that I think I got off dating apps in November and then maybe a week ago I was scrolling my phone and I had this like this little thought saying like, should I just download Hinge out of pure Mm. boredom? And yeah. I caught it and I was like, no, like that's just because I'm bored in this moment right now. Yeah. So like also just to like expect that like it's okay if if those like thoughts or feelings come up sometimes, it's completely normal. Um, but yeah, I would say just like date yourself. Take like, you know what I mean? Like do do nice things for yourself. Like I like buy your it's Valentine's Day, but you know, not when they're listening to this, but like buy yourself treats. But like mm, do, yeah. I think like, Something that I've even thought about recently is like being more intentional with my time. So like I think it's really easy to get like to just like kind of go through the motions in your day to day and like cross off your to do list and do everything you have to do and then just like chill out. And like I had given some thought like a month ago, like I don't I haven't been good lately at just carving things into my day just because they're like fun for me. Like I haven't I play guitar. I hadn't played guitar in like nice. months hardly at all. I lost my calluses and I was like I'm going to start playing guitar more just cuz like it's something that makes me happy. So like I think just especially if you're someone who like puts a lot of effort into a relationship, like take the effort you would would have like put into that person and like direct it towards yourself and like do nice things for yourself and and be really deliberate deliberate about how you want to spend your time um and i just think that like it's very very valuable time for like growth and for like connecting with yourself and like getting to know yourself when you're single and you're sober it really is it can be the best year two years or however long Mm -hmm. ever because you just when we are in our addiction, we just don't have that energy and that time to to really grow and to work on ourselves. So yeah, you're so right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. When I was single and I was drinking, I was just like going out and partying and then mingling with people. Like it was yeah. never like really a proper, like reflective time to be on my own. So yeah. I'm happy to have that now. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Madeline. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me back. So nice chatting. We'll have to do it again. 2025 when we're yeah. both living in Mexico <laughs> in, the, in the winter. <laughs> Perfect. See you there. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Addictive Pod. As always, you can reach me at Addictive Podcast on Instagram. Send me a message there. Let me know any feedback you have for the episode. If you want to come on the show or if you have somebody in mind that you want me to invite on the show, I'd love to hear it. 
Madeline's Insta is at Happiest Sober. I'm going to put a link in the description to her podcast, to her trips that are coming up, and to her Instagram as well. So give her a follow, see what she's up to. She is just an awesome person in this community. That's all for me today. Until next, next Monday, remember, we recover together.